Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 199. Next week, uh, you won't be joining us live as we will be rehashing all of the, I'd say, best of moments, if you want to call it that. Uh, <laughs> the most iconic, most random, most out of context, funniest, all sorts of moments from the 200 plus episodes of the Uncharted Media podcast will be next week, but this week we've got some other milestone <laughs> that we got to get past. Uh, at, uh, was it the beginning of this year? Was it the beginning yeah. of this year? The beginning of, or at some so. point this year, I, my boneheadedness was just like, if we get to 700 subscribers by the end of the year, which seemed far off to me, if we get to 700 subscribers by the end of the year, we will take a fan suggestion question from josh's brother to do a darth jar jar centric discussion episode in which case we will fully break down in all seriousness the prevailing star wars theory that jar jar binks the clown jester of the star wars universe is in fact the most powerful sith in the universe well we were able to squeeze this one in before the 200th, so I hate you all, but at the same time, thank you all for subscribing. <laughs> now we start the very slow process to 1,000 subscribers, and I really need to change the goal to something not as insane for the 1,000. Nah. I don't think we'll get 1,000 <laughs> next year, but probably the year after that. But uh, Josh, how are you doing on this Jar Jar night? I'm chilling like a villain, my dude. Uh, you know, just enjoying my day off, and as we do, <clears throat> you know, not not really doing much. <laughs> what about watching? I mean, it's I, I'm really excited about this the Jar Jar thing. Um, for a little background that Nate's not not saying at all. Um, my brother Ben literally hounded us, uh, like, because I think almost every time that he we posted like a Q&A video, like, you know, hey, like, do you have any questions for us? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm, I want to say for like a year and a half, my brother has hounded us. Like, talk, you guys, you guys going to talk about Dark Charger? You guys should, should talk about Dark Charger. I was like, no, no. And then Nate made the, the wonderful, <laughs> the wonderful move uh, to to you know, you know, if we get to 700 to talk about it now, here, here, here we are, you know? <laughs> Which is crazy too, because I think we were like what five thirty or something like that at the beginning of the year, um, which is Not crazy. Sure. I never thought we'd get to this part, this point though. But yeah, now our goal is a thousand. So help us get to that. I'm sure it's going to be a while before we get there. But yeah, a thousand. I think four digits has always been the, like the uh, wow. I don't think we'll ever get to that point, but maybe someday mm. we'll get to a thousand. And I'll, I don't know what we'll do at a. At a thousand, maybe I'll, I'll try and say one nice thing about Russell Crowe's Robin Hood. That that's the goal. I'll say literally a nice thing about it. Uh, well, actually, I think there's a video where you say five nice things about that video about that movie. Doesn't mean um, I didn't just talk out my butt and made it all up. Because curse that movie, as we'll rehash next week. Yes, we will. One of the the, the most legendary rants uh, from Nathan of all time. Oh, man. But uh, I'm not really watching much this week. Uh, I s saw that Vox Machina is getting a second season. So I was like, well, you know, if it's getting a second season, maybe that first season is decent. And honestly, I, I, I remember watching it like the first two episodes or something like that when it first came out. 
and you know it's fine it's a thing that, that happens but uh i've today i i have been watching quite a bit of it and honestly it's very it's it's, it's entertaining it's, it's like watching um it is it's literally like watching someone play D and like these are just the interactions that you get uh because there's several times when people there's a scene i want to say in like episode seven or eight where like three guys are trying to break into a door and none none of them can like the each one can repeatedly tries and over and over and over again and in my head i'm just like yeah no yep this is uh this is just a bunch of people failing roles here uh it's 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 pretty cool um i've got plans to watch um his dark materials here pretty soon it's a show that i've been wanting to watch um i'm just you know making plans on watching stuff (laughs) not really actually watching stuff that's not youtube how, how busy were you on halloween <laughs> um actually not busy at all uh we had a little bit of a push early day but then like as per usual it kind of pretty pretty much died so interesting i just didn't know because that's normally like everyone's busy day apparently <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah, i haven't been watching a, a lot either um been playing a little bit more gotham knights it's grown on me but i still don't like how limited the combat is of just like Mm. how few animations there are and also like i have to do side things before i can get to the main storyline but that being said i still really actually like the main storyline they're doing a really good job with that it's just everything else around it uh given that it's halloween heather and i watch I believe, halloween 4 we watch halloween 4 rewatch that still love it and on my subsequent rewatches of all the halloween movies i'm realizing what makes a good Halloween sequel as opposed to a terrible <laughs> Halloween sequel. And it's more or less confining Michael Myers to a specific parameter of like actual location. Like Halloween two works mm-hmm. because he's basically just at the hospital. Halloween four works because he's mainly just at Sheriff Meeker's house. Halloween H2O mainly works because he's at uh, the school campus we're skipping resurrection even though that also takes place <laughs> resurrection at- works because it's all in one house <laughs> it is in one house we'll say that and then 2018 he's more or less a beeline straight for Lori's house whether he knows it or not um yeah i, I love halloween 4 but other than that i'm not really watching anything new i saw barbarian is on hbo max so i yeah i want to check that out i'm hearing that. some good things about that um i need to get caught up on uh amazon's lord of the rings you say it's really good i'm getting some other people that say they're really enjoying it too um but we're getting to basketball season so i should start working evening so i should have like the day to watch movies so we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll see but um we got some weird we got some weird news so uh what a what a weird day a week of news man it, it, like always with news it just went from like oh gosh i'm scraping the bottom of the barrel for news and then like a thursday or a friday will hit and then like it's a smorgasbord of a whole bunch of stuff dropping all in one day. <laughs> Case in point, our first news topic of the day. Um, so, um, no one's watching The Witcher anymore from this day forth. Is that what I'm getting? <laughs> uh, because it seems Henry Cavill has decided to step away from the role of Gerald of Rivia and will be replaced... By the other Hemsworth. No, no, not the one you like. The other one. Um, Liam Hemsworth. I'm sorry, that's mean to Liam. But at the same time, when I saw this, my first thought besides Henry Cavill related thing, which we'll obviously talk about, is Netflix. You do realize you've made multiple movies with... uh, Yeah, movies with Chris Hemsworth with Extraction and what's the, the... 
one where he's a psychologist that no one watched. Um, you've made multiple movies with Chris Hemsworth. Was he too expensive to do a show? You went with Liam, who... Liam's not bad, but also, like... He's not known the world over for his acting abilities. He seems like a good dude and all, but I'm just like... Henry Cavill is Coke. Liam Hemsworth is Costco brand. Like, oh, okay, oh, that's all oh, that kind of Coke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not that kind of show, Josh. <laughs> but my first thought, as all of your brains should go for first thought, is... Oh, so Superman stuff is moving very quickly if Henry Cavill's like, I'm out. But on the flip side, it might not be Superman related, but Henry Cavill might have found a perfect excuse with Superman because mm -hmm. according to various reports, Cavill has not been a big fan of the direction of the show the past season or two. And being the diehard fan that he is of this material, I can absolutely see him sticking up for some aspects and wanting it to be a specific way. And if a show goes in a specific direction, being like, not what I signed up for. I'm a big enough star. I can walk away. Uh, what, if you had to pinpoint it to one specific thing, Josh, why do you think Cavill's leaving basically one of his dream roles? Yeah. I mean, well, like to be fair, we, we have not gotten season three yet. Um, so, and th to be clear, this is, he's saying he will not return for season four. Um, we have a lot, like, there's a lot that can potentially happen in season three. Uh, but I'm kind of with him. Uh, I, I do enjoy the show. Uh, but two def season two definitely dives deeper into Witcher lore, for better or for worse. Um, and ha and uh, much like... Um, in Halloween Kills, uh, Evil Dies Tonight, uh, this girl is the, you know, the will be the end of the world. It really gets old, old like when because they say it like at least almost every episode, um, and it gets old really quick. Uh, I I don't blame him uh, for stepping away. Obviously, I I think a lot the easy thing to do here for fans is to be like, all right, cool, can't wait for him to step away for from this show I really like right now to go be in a mediocre DC movie, which I'm hoping is not the, not necessarily the case as far as the quality of the DC film. Um, and no offense to, to, to Liam. Uh, it is definitely, I guess if I was thinking of people to replace Henry, Henry Cavill as, you know, Gerald in the Witcher, I don't think his name would have ever come up. So I, uh, It'll be interesting to say the it's least. Because I couldn't use Army Hammer. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's 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 one of the monsters instead. <laughs> I was going to make a cannibal joke, but I decided not to. Um, but like, I just like, like yeah. Army Hammer might come back to bite you in the butt. Oh, boo! That joke was tough to swallow. Um, so hey, he's had the, practice. <laughs> um, I just yeah, there's a lot going on here, and I, I think. It'll be easy for people to be like, all right, cool. No more uh, Henry Cavill. Time to go. No more Witcher for me. I, as, as I think with most things, I think I'm willing to give Liam, you know, the benefit of a doubt. We haven't, at least I personally haven't seen him in anything l lately. So maybe, you know, he can, he's pulling something out of his butt here. Who knows? I mean, maybe it's going to be great, but like, obviously the people there's all, I've seen other people like, 
oh man like mad at dc for because like it's somehow their fault for for, for Henry leaving for an opportunity to play Superman again. Yeah. Which is something he's wanted for a long time. So it's like, all right. Like, it's interesting seeing the reaction online of you get a whole bunch of Superman and DC fans going, yay! And you get a whole bunch of Witcher fans just going, oh, why would he leave to do crappy DC movies? I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay. Me, as someone that doesn't really know a whole lot about The Witcher, and I clearly, I will openly admit that I have more of a Superman bias, but I'm looking at this going... Ask the average person that's not on social media, doesn't follow a lot of like the entertainment news. Ask them who Superman is, and ask them who Garrett uh, Rivia is. Yeah, absolutely. And almost everyone's gonna know who Superman is. Geralt's got his diehard fans within the specific section of either like the show or the games or even the books, which is totally cool. But Superman is Superman. When people want you to come play Superman, it's a hard role to turn down because yeah. it's one of the most iconic roles ever. He is passionate about both these roles. He loves them both dearly. He's openly stated that. But Superman is Superman. And also, I see all these people just going, ugh, he left the witcher for subpar superman movies we don't know that they're going to be bad i'm incredibly optimistic every interview i see him give now he seems more optimistic about the direction of the character than he's ever been before and everything he says just sounds perfect but also the audience you will reach with a superman movie will almost always be larger than the audience you reach with a witcher tv series on netflix not everyone has netflix um and even then, you're only going to get a specific number. Like, I know The Witcher has good viewership, but it's it's not the general <laughs> appeal of like, a Superman. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, plus, you know, who knows? Maybe season four won't even happen. Who, ne- knowing Netflix, they'll cancel it after season three. So They'll do um, one season a la Scrub season nine. Oh, that, oh that's so sad. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just kind of like uh, I'm, I trust in Henry. He wouldn't leave if you know, there wasn't a good opportunity and he wouldn't leave if he had a reason to. So now moving away from Netflix to HBO max, there's been that long in development green lantern series that was supposed to star, uh, Alan Scott. And I feel like guy Gardner, either guy Gardner or Kyle. I believe it was guy though. Well, given the massive shakeup that's been happening over at DC universe, which is what it's now called instead, which is a good idea. Um, the show is apparently going back to formula, so to speak in the words of another green (laughs) character. And they're reworking the show. Instead of focusing on Alan Scott and guy Gardner, the show will revolve around Jon Stewart and his interaction with the rest of the green lantern Corps. Now you're getting a lot of people that, are excited about this, the prospect of yeah. this show. But also on the flip side, you're getting a lot of people that are going, if you're such fans of Jon Stewart and you want to do a project with Jon Stewart, why not just turn it into a movie? I understand that rationale. I fully do. But at the same time, DC, for some reason, has had this weird aversion to theatrical green lanterns ever since the ryan reynolds movie which i still will die on the hill that that movie is not nearly as bad as people make it out to be is it bad in some respects yes but is it the worst absolutely not there's so much worse out there i ever since that movie they've been burned specifically by that character and 
they've wanted to just like stick to TV adaptations. I'm okay with this one because I just like John Stewart and it, the way yeah, that they oh, pitched it of Green Lantern Corps makes it seem like they want to focus on the larger universe. And who's to say that this isn't going to cross over into movies? People, I think, are still under the impression that oh, they're getting John Stewart to lead a TV show and he deserves a movie. Who's to say there won't eventually be a movie crossover? It working that way with Matt Reeves' The Batman and The Penguin series that just added some more members to that cast of their... They are intermingling. Disney Plus is doing it, as we'll talk about with uh, Vision here. They're doing more spinoffs with that. So I don't think this entirely rules out the possibility of Jon Stewart showing up in movies. If anything, I think this is a really smart idea to focus on Jon Stewart as opposed to Alan Scott and Guy Gardner. One, you have one main protagonist that you're following as opposed to two drastically different characters. If it was like yeah. Alan Scott and Hal Jordan of a mentor mentee role, but Guy yeah. and Alan are so drastically different. Um, one is likable and one is Guy. Um, <laughs> well, but like the timeline too, uh, it, it would be weird too, because technically Alan would have had to be gone and then also hal and john and kyle so it, it's so weird uh to, if, for them to go with those but yeah like and i think some of it too is uh people were like no i i can see i can hear them say like it's a it's not going to be as important and they don't respect the character as much because they're putting him on a tv show and i don't think that's the case at all i think sometimes um and i think you you will attest to this as well name is that some of the best deep dives and characters have absolutely happened on in more of a TV format, Peacemaker. a serial format. Peacemaker, fantastic! And honestly, if they do something to that, I think people hear uh, like an HBO Max series or a TV series, and they still think Smallville, and like no, no, or they think Flash, and they that which is not necessarily a bad thing but this is not the cw this is the same you know quote-unquote network that put on peacemaker so i had with james gunn at the head now i have complete faith that that, that that's going to be something that happens in that realm um i think at the end of the day like this is absolutely the right decision it, it whether or not if whether you went with alan you know hal kyle john guy uh, I don't know the names of the two new Jessica, ones, but uh, Simon, Jessica and Simon. Okay. Yeah. And then I, like, no matter which one you went with, I do think I agree. It is the better choice to go with one protagonist uh, rather than two. Uh, Cause even then you're still going to have to, you know, fill in the ranks because you have all these other characters that are not the main protagonist, but to try to have it where it's two protagonists, plus your cast of characters to me doesn't that that just doesn't work as much as well as seeing john plus i just I just want, I just want john <laughs> give, give me john and that's the yeah. thing i know alan scott and guy garner both also have their fans but there's a huge contingent of people myself included that when you say green lantern i don't think hal jordan i think john stewart because yeah. there's a large generation that was grown up on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited and the relationship with Jon Stewart and Hawkgirl. Dude, if you can get um, Jon Stewart, Green Lantern, 
and Aldous Hodge's Hawkman to fight over the affections of Hawk Girl in a future project. Let's go. Because Aldous Hodge, honestly, if he wasn't a Hawkman, could be a fantastic John Stewart. But I still kind of mm -hmm. hold out hope that Sterling K. Brown could be John Stewart someday because oof, that voice and that physique, he's already I think he just looks the part already. Um John Boyega, maybe, I think could be great. If he wasn't so busy, uh, Jonathan Majors. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, man, no, that... Jonathan Majors is like if Jon Stewart was the size of Kilowog because Jonathan Majors is just a beef cake right now. <laughs> He's just a unit and Michael B. Jordan is going to die in Creed 3. But I think this is, yeah, a, this is the right choice of... Let's focus on characters that people are actually clamoring for. I'm not saying people weren't yeah. for Alan Scott and Guy Gardner, but forever people have been asking for Jon Stewart-related content. Yeah, Hal's great, and if we ever get Hal Jordan, you know who you gotta go with. You gotta do Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick, because, oh my god, he's just Hal in that movie. Like, it, it's Hal mixed with Han Solo. That's all it is. Uh, but it, this is a character people want, I think there's crossover appeal. I understand some people would just be like, well, it's a TV show, so the budget won't be as big and you need a big budget for Green Lantern. If they're scaling back the story, you don't need as big of a budget. I'm not saying like CW style, but HBO Max has a willingness to spend money despite what people think. Like House of the Dragon clearly has a big budget. Last of Us clearly has a big budget. The Penguin's gonna have a big budget. Like they're willing to spend when they want to. Yeah. Well, and I think it's something to keep in mind. Like, this isn't the start of the CW days. This isn't 10 years ago. Companies are very willing, because of the track record of, of TV shows now, to put and just like put like millions and millions of dollars into TV shows now because it, it's worth the payoff, it's absolutely worth it. Putting more money in to make the effects look better, to make your story better, just ends up being better for everybody. And I, I, I guess for me, the question of whether or not the budget was going to be small was never a concern for me. So speaking of superhero streaming TV shows, we now have a spinoff of a spinoff. So NCIS Los Angeles or one of those type of shows. Uh, as Vision is getting his own spin-off show being spun out of WandaVision. And just like WandaVision, we continue the proud tradition of lazy, lazy TV show names as this one, as this Vision spin-off show will be called Vision Quest, to which I'm just going, wow, why does that just sound like an old Atari game of, like, just sounds like an old N64 game or something like that. But this is supposed to be like white vision, potentially going back to the vision that we know and love, I guess? Question mark. Uh, Big question mark. The vision that we know from the MCU before he became the, what, what was the ship? The ship of Theseus of the yes. MCU, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I don't care. Uh, for me, vision peaked in Age of Ultron, and after that, he just kind of there like I, yeah i feel like vision was introduced to be an ends a means to the ends which is okay vision in the comics and in our universe has an infinity stone in his head we need that infinity stone well what do we do after that i don't know we just need the infinity stone 
a lot of people liked WandaVision. I liked certain episodes of it, but as a cohesive whole, I didn't dig it overall. Uh, I think Paul Bettany is fine as Vision, but Vision is not a character that I'm particularly interested in. My big question, though, and my big hang-up with this is, within the MCU, where does this fit, and why is this significant? Like, we're going in a specific <laughs> path with the Marvel movies right now with multiverse stuff. How does this factor in? Why does this factor in? Why, why does this matter? I'm getting to the point of just like, we're getting all this stuff. Movies and Disney Plus and whatnot. I'm just... What actually matters? What do I actually have to keep up with so I'm not far behind? And I've... I've is that just me or is that the general fan sent me, you think, Josh? No, no, no. I think th this is something you and I have said for the past several past like three, four months of just like, okay, cool. So what is required watching? Do I need to watch this in order to understand what's about to happen in the films? Um, and if that's the case, uh, stop because uh, I'm like, I'm fine with like little, um, how do we want to say this? Like Elseworld, like little tiny little adventures going off to the side because I think like a spinoff series makes it sound like, okay, cool guys. So something big happened and now we're going to take this character and move on the, on with a story with them. And that, that'll be interesting. And then that will, that won't tie into anything. And to me, like, I understand you're trying to come up with content for, for Disney plus plus Bob paycheck, but like you can't just do a story out of everything. Like you can't just be like, all right, cool. Spinoff series for everyone. Do you remember that time when they were going to, they had all that planned for the star Wars stuff. Like everybody's getting a spinoff. You're getting a spinoff. You're getting a spinoff. And then everyone was like, but we don't want spinoffs for everybody. So Wait, it's funny what? you bring up star Wars. There's a report yeah. that came out today that, um, apparently the new mantra at Lucasfilm is quote unquote getting it right and I'm going are you only just now discovering that that's probably what you should be doing this entire time like Correct. I don't know maybe when you hire somebody don't do it for the headlines and actually plan on keeping your directors I don't know uh, but hmm. <laughs> which I have heard that Tales of the Jedi is pretty good yeah um, but whatever I mean, but then again, I've heard that Andar is good as well, and I have not checked that out yet. Um, so I just, yeah, I, to me, this does nothing for me. I don't care. Uh, it is one of those like, okay, cool. What is what is Vision been doing out doing all this time? But at the same time, I don't care. We've got other stuff to look at, like yeah, man, and the Wasp Quantum Mania is right around the corner. Excuse me. Uh, the Wakanda Forever is right around the corner. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's are, that's on their way that it's like i don't care i feel like up until this point that we were expected to to feel about the shows like oh these are placeholders this is marvel content until we get movies going again um well now movies are back so why are we still doing series because if uh, if you're going to expect like this is i guess circling all the way around for us here if you're going to expect people to pay for your service and watch your shows that are now canon um i think you are severely uh overestimating your fan base uh to required viewing sh is a comic book thing guys like it's not it shouldn't be a movie thing but here's the thing is because they know this is a weird show to just kind of throw out their butt. 
What Marvel always ends up doing is the ones that people are super, super excited for and amp for end up not having any revelations that affect the MCU, and the ones that we think are skippable, i.e. Miss Marvel, are the ones that they actually put the earth-shattering revelations. Like, you watch. The Vision show will be him wandering on the forest, just debating whether or not he's the actual Vision or not, because he's basically inhabiting somebody else's body. He'll stumble into some foreign country. Doctor Doom will adopt him and steal his technology to create Doombots being spun out of Ultron and just Ultron slash Vision. I'm just that's how they'll introduce Doctor Doom is by this secondary spinoff of a spinoff TV show because that's how they've been doing it lately on Disney Plus. Is the shows that you're not actually yeah. watching are the ones that end up being the most important, or the shows that you think will be important, WandaVision, actually aren't. Even though it was important to watch WandaVision to make sure that Multiverse of Madness makes sense. Um, and even oh then. Yeah, even then. Uh, yeah, I'm, what, fine. Whatever. Sure. This show is going to be a thing. <laughs> Another one that was supposed to be a show but is now getting turned into something else is the Wonder Man. What was going to be series, but now it seems like it's going to be a one-off special a la Werewolf by Night, which oh, I can't stop raving about Werewolf by Night. It's so good. Um, but we're supposed to be getting this Wonder Man special, and now we have our Wonder Man with Black Manta. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II is going to be the MCU's Wonder Man. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. I don't really know the character of the history of Wonder Man all that much, so I've never been that excited for this show until they announced it just. Destin Daniel Cretton, the guy who did Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, was the one doing the show. I'm going, cool. I don't care what it is. It could be Wong reading the phone book for an hour. And if it's as long as it's directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, I'm interested. Then you add Yaya on top of that. And I don't know what the show is, but I'm interested. I joke that he's Black Manta because it's a Marvel DC crossover now. But take Black Manta out of the picture. You've got spoiler alert for <laughs> if you're that far behind on your shows, you've got Dr. Manhattan in Yaya Abdul-Mateen. You've got uh, him in Candyman. You've got him in Us. You've got uh, The Trial of Chicago 7, which I think is so good. He has uh, got such a varied uh, catalog so early in his career already. I think he's a phenomenal actor, and I love whenever I see his name attached to anything, I'm just going... You're a pretty good dude. I, I like when you show up and stuff. I also would not be mad at all if he showed up in a Creed movie at some point. Mm, but yes, uh, I, I'll be honest. I'm not going to pretend I know who Wonder Man is, you know, <laughs> like you're supposed to on YouTube. You're supposed to pretend, you know, all the comic book characters. I don't really know who Wonder Man is. I believe he's like a what? A, a TV personality or movie star that's a superhero at the same time? You can time. ask me all you want. I have no clue. In my head, I saw Wonder Man and I went like, okay, cool. So uh, uh, the Shazam, you know, name dispute is a problem, but this isn't. All right, cool, whatever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just, this is, yeah, sure. Okay. I think maybe I'll be, I'm, I'm excited because of the director and the actor. That's, that's the only reason. I have no knowledge about who Wonder Man is. Um, I mean, you know, where does this fit in the canon? Where does he fit in the canon? Does it matter? Does uh, it's, it's like, it's more, 
it's more of a question about where we're going right now with Marvel Marvel storytelling than it is anything about the actor, the director, or the even the character of Wonder Man. Of just like, okay, so you keep giving us these series, but there's no, we have no idea why. There's no nothing other than, hey, we want to do characters. Here we go. Um, which I'm not exactly like against because like if you know DC did something like like that with like here's Static Shock, here's Blue Blue Beetle, here's and like just gave a series about all these people, I wouldn't hate it. It just I wish there was a overarching story to a reason why we're just throwing people out there. Uh and the and it's not just like um they're they're it's not like they're treating movies like a comic book publisher. Well, that's why I'm in favor of these like one-offs, like like I said, like Werewolf by Night did, because it's 50 minutes to an hour. It's a very self-contained story. It makes me super excited for the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special, especially after watching that trailer with Kevin Bacon. Oh my gosh! I was like, okay, that's your it's hook. Fantastic. I'm interested. I'm I need to see this now. Um, I'm hoping these um these one-off specials that they do, whether it's Werewolf by Night, whether it's wonder man the christmas special whatever else they will be canon to the mcu but have no bearing on the mcu if that makes sense like werewolf by night has next to no references to the larger mcu canon that was a very deliberate choice by michael Giacchino to just go i want this to be my own thing i want to make a love letter to old horror movies and i'm just going yes please i want to hug you sir you are a beautiful individual you've done good now go make Go make the blade because blade needs you more than you need blade. Um, I want more of those of MCU, as we point out numerous times, is like a comic book series. You pick up the next issue, all of the next movie. I want these to be the annuals, the one-offs that you don't need to be paying mm-hmm. attention to the larger continuity. You can just pick this up and then enjoy it, put it back down revisit it whenever you want to and it doesn't it exists in the universe but not have a larger implication um i'll also say this now as much as i would like destin daniel Critton to still be attached to this with him doing kang wars kang dynasty i mean i'm still kind of curious how much stuff he's also gonna have on his plate like i still don't believe he's actually doing the shang chi sequel i think i'll be too preoccupied with Kang Dynasty because that's mm-hmm. obviously going to command a lot of his time and attention. So I I don't know. I I'm more interested in this Wonder Man project now because of Yaya Abdul Mateen, but at the same time it's Wonder Man. I I know more about the Wonder oh. Twins than I know about Wonder Man. <laughs> and in some ways I'd be more interested in seeing that them come to life, but that's only because I have no idea who Wonder Man is. Ah. So, lastly for our news this week is Friday the 13th stuff, but weird Friday the 13th stuff. So, we've talked ad nauseum about the ongoing legal battle that Friday the 13th is under, more or less of just like Victor Miller, the writer of the original Halloween, uh, claims some stuff, and Seanus Cunningham, the guy that Directed the original, claimed some other stuff, so it's split down the middle. Well, now we actually have some new Friday the 13th content-ish. We are getting a Crystal Lake prequel series on Peacock. But here's the weird part of almost just like 
Mad Libs of fill in the blank with random things. All right. Um, pick a horror franchise. Friday the 13th. Pick a streaming service it's going on to. Peacock. Produced by A24. Yeah. <laughs> the people that did the Vavitch and the Lighthouse are doing a TV series in the same universe as the hockey mask wearing slasher guy. Okay. Sure. Um, you had me I, up I just, until A24 yeah. of like, okay, I'm not against this, but I'm just like, okay, sounds right. Sounds right. Wait, what? It's like, you're say you're at a job that's like, doesn't require a lot of skill sets, and all of a sudden, one dude who's ridiculously overqualified comes in and just starts doing what everyone else is doing. It's like, sure, why? This is helpful, <laughs> but are you sure this is the best use of your talents? This is so weird to me. Of it is Friday the Thirteenth. Well, Crystal Light, because I don't know if they can. I don't think they can actually use the name Friday the Thirteenth. I think that's in the Cunningham camp. Um, so which is in the Cunningham still camp. weird. So Crystal Lake and A24, it's a weird pairing. It is. I agree. I, I think the weirdest part of it is it that it's a prequel series. So it's like, are we just going to see a bunch of kids bullying Jason? <laughs> like, what's, what is this series going to be about? Because so I have thoughts, but I can wait if you, if you have, a... I, I have no thoughts other than that uh, bullying joke. That's all I got. <laughs> Cause so, it's just like it doesn't make sense to me what 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 you could possibly do there. So some of this might step on the canon that is Friday the Thirteenth, but given that I'm a Halloween fan more than I'm a Friday the Thirteenth fan, screw it. The canon doesn't mean anything. Your timelines are as confusing as heck. So let's just jumble it up anyway. What it's if all made this up show and don't matter? What if this show is the origin of Pamela Voorhees before Jason of like the person she meets that will eventually become Jason's father, who we like in the movies never get mentioned whatsoever. What if Jason took after his father? Um, what if Pamela starts off nice and we kind of get like a descent in a madness a la like the Bates Motel um, show that was more or less an origin for Psycho. But here's what I would do. And this is where, I don't know if this is a controversial take or not, but if I was doing this show, I would make it so that camp counselors didn't kill Jason Voorhees. Pamela killed Jason Voorhees. And she still will somehow, in her own twisted mind, blames the camp counselors for it. Huh. I mean... Yeah, I suppose that's better than watching a, a bunch of people bully a deformed kid. Um, I sure, why not go for it? I don't <laughs> like. I, I I care so little. I cannot reiterate this enough. I care so little about How the little Friday the Thirteenth. So little. Um, <laughs> I about the Friday the Thirteenth. Um, like series, I guess. Um. I like to me the first one's fantastic having it end with like oh it's not like this crazy killer dude it was the mom that's all that I, I I've been on record saying I love that I love that twist um but people gonna try to make money so you know what are you gonna do <laughs>
Speaking of making money, this episode is sponsored <laughs> by T Public, your one stop shop for all things Uncharted Media merch, whether it is t shirts, it's hoodie weather now. So, uh, rock your Uncharted Media hoodies like Josh does. Uh, whatever t shirt, hoodie, sticker, magnet, notepad, whatever you want with the Uncharted Media logo or other designs that we've got. We've got a lot of different designs. Um, yeah, go support the show in that way and also help us get to a thousand subscribers. That's going to be our goal. We're going to keep pounding it into your skulls until you share with all of your friends, corrupt their minds with our mildly hot takes and jokes that only us laugh at. Um, <laughs> spread the wealth, so to speak. That way you can get more content like our discussion today. Was slash is Jar Jar a Sith Lord? Now... <laughs> I don't know where, but I feel like this just kind of <laughs> came out of nowhere. Not not Ben's suggestion to, that we do this episode, but just the, the yeah. whole concept of Jar Jar being a Sith Lord. I feel like there's a direct correlation between that and the whole rise of who is Snoke theories that took over everywhere of like, oh, everything in Star Wars has a hidden meaning of it. It's like poetry. It rhymes of it. It just it could just be that Jar Jar was meant to be comedic relief, and I, I think for the most part, people have treated this just as a fun thing. I don't, I don't think people think this is actually serious. But then I'm sure there's people that hate the prequels that are just like, I need a justifier. I need some reason to think that George Lucas mapped this all out, and it was no way just bad decision making on his part. I need to rationale that this thing that was clearly meant for children is actually meant for adults because heaven forbid something be targeted for children and children alone. That is fine. What kind of Sith Lord steps in in his words? <laughs> Sticky gicky goo. Um, but that's not the approach we're going to take for this episode. We're going to nah. actually treat it seriously. What is there evidence that could potentially support the fact that this moronic Gungan is the most powerful being in the universe? And again, it sounds like I'm banging on Jar Jar. I think he's a dumb character, but I don't hate him nearly as much as the generation before me. Like, he gets yeah. some unnecessary <laughs> hate. I'm like, yeah, he's annoying, but he's only really annoying in the first one. Then you bullied Ahmed Best to the point of they barely used Jar Jar in 2 and 3 because y'all are terrible. But yes, and you know the he 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 doesn't do a lot whole lot of acting. The kid who played Anakin doesn't do anything anymore. So it's like, uh, yeah, we don't hate. Like to be clear, I don't hate Jar Jar. Like he's he's a character in the movie. That's a, that's a thing that you know he he fulfills his purpose. Now, I have watched so many of these theory videos. Now, um. I want to be clear in my stance here before we get into uh, uh, like all the little details of what people say and what, you know, even we say why reasons, uh, you know, he, he's potentially not who he says, says he is. This theory is a stretch. Like Mr. Fantastic, I don't think can stretch as hard as this theory is. Um, now, now that I've seen all of, all of the theory videos, there's definitely like a part of me that's like, I can see him lying about himself that he's not this always he's not exactly this moronic gungan that he presents himself as in the phantom menace but the the guy who is in league with uh you know palpatine to rule the universe uh, not i don't think that takes it too far to me uh but yeah so let's talk let's talk uh uh yeah let's talk proof let's talk let's talk proof 
you got you have anything right off the dome that you that you want to lean into? Uh so the first point that I always come up with 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 Jar Jar potentially being not what he appears to be in the movie is not necessarily his introduction, but when we're getting slight backstory about him when they're in the uh underground not underground, underwater craft as they leave the Gungan city. Uh Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are just kind of chatting him up. They're just like, um, they tried to kill you. They tried to execute you. Why why were they gonna execute you? Oh, I I was I was banished and they sent me away. And they're like, Why were you banished? Oh it's a long hotel, but uh you could say Lisa, Lisa. was uh clumsy clumsy you were banished because you're clumsy you so might be saying that um gosh i've seen this movie so much i will say as a kid i am alarmed at how well you do that scene that's because genuinely there's like maybe four or five movies that i can quote the entire thing because i've watched it so much phantom menace is one of those movies i wore out my vhs phantom menace is great i would sit through two hours of the movie just to get to Duel of Fates and then fast forward. Even as a kid, I'm going, why are we doing so many other fights? Uh, but no, I have Phantom Menace memorized. So almost any Jar Jar line has been in my head since <laughs> 1999. Thanks, George. Um, but he's more or less chalks it up to, aw, shucks. Who but Quagmire? Like, yeah. Jar Jar's been Whoosh, banished. Eesh. That's a bad <laughs> correlation That's, a, that's there. a bad ratio <laughs> reference there. No, no, no. But if We're Jar gonna go Jar... Somewhere. Jarcha just kind of chalks it up to, might been banished. Like, I think in the subsequent material that was canon at that time, that I'm sure is no longer canon now, that right. Jar Jar did something with Boss Nass, like maybe messed something mm-hmm. up or like was a guard somewhere. It's never specified why he was banished. Maybe. Just maybe. Boss Nass was not always Boss Nass. Maybe the boss before Boss Nass was somebody else that. Maybe Jar Jar had a hand in making that person disappear, and he was not as clumsy as he appears. But I think it's interesting that he very explicitly was banished from the Gungan city, and they're very direct about, no, no, you saying big doo-doo this time, like, as soon as he walks in the door, like, yeah, I'm back, no, (laughs) death, and we're all going, yes, death. Well, and like I think that our whole interact in like first interactions with with Jar Jar are very very interesting. Um, I think as a kid, I saw him do that was that like double front flip, but helix flip, whatever dive, and I was like, oh, I get it. He's got strong legs as a swimmer, so obviously he just does things like that. And then I've got all these theory videos that are like. When's the only other time we've seen people jump like that? It's Jedi. I'm like, I. I well, also, that, but... you just needed another character in Lego Star Wars that could do the double jump. Obviously. Exactly. Obviously. We're thinking ahead here, kids. Um, But like, yeah, like that, that whole first interaction with him, even to the point where they get into the city and they all say hi. The Jar Jar is like, hi, guys, I'm back. And like people are legitimately running from him. And it was like. As a, even as a kid, I was very much like, why is, why is that happening? That's weird. And like, yeah, like the whole conversation in, um, in, uh, in the, in the, in the, the little submarine thing. And like, even to like the point of like, 
when uh, he asks, Jar Jar asks him, like, how, how are you, how are you going to get through the, through the planet core? And the Qui-Gon just goes, oh, the force will guide us. And he's like, oh, you so big, the force. Like, well, that sounds stick with. Yeah, like from an outside perspective, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool. He just doesn't believe in the force. Okay, that's fine. We've had a Han Solo in the series. We get where he's coming from. But like, if he's like a force user, like a powerful force user, like that would be so well. Like, like oh yeah, yeah. Trust the force, man. Okay, yeah, go for it. That's not how uh, the force works. Force works. <laughs> I could totally see that. Even to like the point of like. There's some points too, like where he, um, there's a deleted scene which you can't really count, um, but where he is like, they, where they come up, the submarine comes up on the edge of a waterfall or whatever, which doesn't make sense, uh, but still, and he's like freaking out, uh, like he doesn't want to die, but he can both swim and jump like 20 feet in the air, and so he should be just fine. Uh, so it's just, it's things like that. So what you what else what what you got next? Okay, there's um, because really we can just go we have to go through um, uh, the Phantom Menace before we can really talk about most of my stuff is Phantom Menace related because yeah. that's where he's in it the most prominently. Correct. So there's uh, I mean, the one of the ones that I saw that people were using as proof that doesn't quite work in my mind. Um, just because of the camera changes so much. I mean, maybe that's intentional, but still, uh, is the, I've seen a lot of people point out how he saves himself, uh, when they're, when they go to save, um, Padme Amidala for the first time. And that, you know, Qui-Gon and, uh, Obi-Wan jump down, jump off of the, that bridge, the ledge or whatever. And he like, Oh no. And like catches himself and then appears on the other side of them. Um, there's been a, quite a few people that were like, hey, yeah, see, so he he caught himself and then flipped over to the far side and is like, that's, well, yeah, you can tell, see, because they're the droids are, are tracking him all the way across. Um, yeah, except that the 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 humans aren't at all. So it's like it doesn't exactly work there. I think the next time for me that I really see anything that could be as, as proof is. And I know a lot of people like I talk with my hands quite a bit, but that is definitely like a it's a force user staple of when you are manipulating someone's mind that you move. You have some sort of movement that you do, whether that be like Luke's fingers or like using your hand to be like, you know, you, you don't want to buy death, death sticks. You want to go go home and rethink your life. I want to go home um, and rethink my life. <laughs> uh, seriously, one of the best moments Honestly, of Attack of the Clones. I don't care. Right, I totally watched that. So funny. <laughs> um, but the way that when when he's when Jar Jar's with Obi Wan and Qui Gon, he doesn't talk with his hands at all. But then the instant he's having anytime he's having a conversation with somebody that's not a Jedi, he's talking with his hands. He tries to talk to. Um, Oh geez, was it Yondu? Not Yondu, the Anakin Yondu. slave owner. That's a crossover. Yeah, not you. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Describe them. The to guy me. that. Uh, it's the blue guy that the um the the Watto. Jedi mind tricks. So, Yada. Wow. Yeah. Watto. Um, Watto. That he like his. There's a, a small snippet where um Jar Jar seen talking to him, and then like he tries to like wave his hands or whatever, and then he just like smacks the crap out of Jar Jar. <laughs> And so it's like, 
all right, uh, there's that, I guess. <laughs> but there's he's just he's there for a lot of preface this with the evidence of the some of the evidence is he's there for a lot of major plot points so that he and he's always waving his hands so that means that he is influencing those plot points however he's also just a just a side character so he's gonna be there <laughs> he's supposed to be the comedic relief whether you find him exactly. funny or not is something else entirely uh, correct but if we're going down the line of the movie We'll talk about his first introduction because, like you, I watched a bunch of different videos. I've read a bunch of different things. Uh, and there's a point that I don't think enough people are talking about. And that he is he first meets Qui-Gon Jinn. The most important discovery in this movie is Qui-Gon Jinn discovering Anakin. And throughout the entire prequels, it's Qui-Gon discovered Anakin because he believed Anakin was the chosen one. And you got to stick with that. Qui-Gon also stuck by Jar Jar's guns and was just like, we got to stick with this guy. This this guy's worth keeping around, which it's interesting to note that when they first meet, Qui-Gon doesn't like Jar Jar. And then all of a sudden he's trying to defend him and save him. So maybe he senses something mm. with the force that Qui-Gon ended up being right about Anakin. Maybe he was also right about something being different with Jar Jar. Maybe that's mm -hmm. where the connection comes in. Um, but keeping going down in chronological order, you get um, Jar Jar taking Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan to the Gungan City. They stand on trial. Qui-Gon tries to, like, barter for his life. But Boss Nass is just going, we don't care about that. We don't care about what's happening at the Naboo. And Obi-Wan says the line in passing. That has been in my brain since 1999, one, because I thought it was a cool line. But looking back on it now, I'm going, ah, Obi-Wan, who hasn't really spoken a whole lot up to this point, says, whatever happens, you and the Naboo form a symbiotic circle. Whatever happens to one of you must happen to the other. So that's supposed to be in like a, if one of you gets attacked, the other is surely not far behind. But like if one of you is destroyed your other days are numbered, like, if it's going well for you, vice versa. But what if there's more to that context of for every Palpatine, there's a Jar Jar? A little bit of a stretch there, but it's well, a symbiotic actually, relationship. I, I it, got you. There's, there's duality in Star Wars everywhere, like, Rise of Skywalker really leaned though. into I got it. you. Okay, 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 okay. I hate that I just made this connection, but that actually really, really works when you compare Jedi and Sith, because, like, back in the day, you know, during the Sith-Jedi Wars, which is still something I want to see on screen, um, the Jedi obviously prevail, and the Sith, you have to retreat, it, retreat into darkness and, and whatnot, but that is, like, definitely, you can definitely rework that comment, you know, you the Sith and the Jedi form the two sides of, of the force. You form a symbiotic relationship with each other. What happens to one will have to happen to, to um, the other. The Sith got too big. And so they had to be chopped down to, to create the rule of two and whatnot. Well, the same thing is happening in this part of the story, but for the Jedi, they're getting too big for their britches. They have too much command on the galaxy. They're not really being all that helpful when it comes down to it. Um, so yeah, I can totally, now that you've said that in that context, I can totally see the, that symbiotic relationship also having to do with the, you know, dark side and, and Sith. And I can, 
if if Jar Jar is a is a Sith, I'm not going to go as far as to say Sith Lord, but is a Sith well, of Dark Force user, then yeah, he would be like definitely a part of this story, and like it would You'd be, be stupid the to not include him. Yin. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. Hmm. So then, okay, carry on. So then <laughs> we fast forward a little bit, and they're in. They make the escape from Naboo, which. You know, some people will try and make the argument that we'll talk about. I'm sure later that people will be like, there's a style of martial arts where basically you just act like a drunk idiot to confuse your enemies. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll yeah. cross that bridge. But no, Jar Jar is just, just dumb. But they crash land on Tatooine where we ultimately meet Anakin. But here's the thing. Qui-Gon and Anakin have one interaction and that's kind of it. The only reason they have extended interactions, more than one, is because of Jar Jar. Qui-Gon mm-hmm. would not have spent any more time than Anakin than checking out um, the parts place, Watto's shop, had Anakin not saved Jar Jar from Sebulba's attack at the bar. Mm-hmm. So potentially, Jar Jar may have put himself in a position, knowing the future of the Force, to say... Qui-Gon needs more time with this boy. He needs to be here during the sandstorm, so that way we are stuck inside. Also, you get the whole scene of Qui-Gon and Jar Jar, and Jar Jar's eating all the apples, and Qui-Gon's clearly got quick reflexes, going, hmm, you're bonding over quick reflexes because Anakin's just like, yeah, I'm I'm a pilot. I got pretty quick reflexes. Their whole interaction is because Anakin saved Jar Jar from Zabulba. Had Anakin not done that, they probably would have just left Tatooine or sold the Queen's wardrobe like they were originally planning to for the parts that they need. Um, Mm -hmm. And even then, they said that wasn't going to be enough. The reason why Anakin is even in the story to begin with more than one scene is because Jar Jar screwed something up. And who's to say he screwed it up accidentally? That could have been his intention all along of... No, no, I have the book from the Adjustment Bureau. We got to get this back on the path that we need to be on. <laughs> yeah, and like, there's definitely, I mean, I haven't seen e- any theories go as far as what I'm about to do, but like, you know what? This, the uh, for the sake of this, let's do, let's go. Um, I see a version of this story where Palpatine and, um, or, or Jar Jar, they, they some, they're one of their many spies in the galaxy, finds out about Anakin. They find out that, you know, hey, this kid is potentially special. Because we do find out through through conversation throughout the, the movie that he is, like, he has previously exhibited, like, behavior that would be considered special. Um, that maybe he's, you know, a little different than others. Um, and I refuse to, to go into the territory of like, he was birthed by the force. Cause that just sets up all kinds of weird precedent. Um, but the idea that, and I don't know how, what kind of rigmarole, rigmarole you'd have to pull, but like the idea, there's a theory is a theory that Jar Jar is sabotages the, the uh, hyperdrive. That there, there's yes. a moment in which uh, before they get to the Nabu, to get to um, Tatooine, um, the astromechs are going outside. Not astromechs, the little astrodroids. No, they're uh, astromechs. Where we meet first. Is that okay? Um, 
that that's where we first meet the the glory that is R2. Um he leans over to go to start messing with something, and R2 gives him a good smack and like then has to go upstairs. So like to me, um as passing as in passing as that is, it would be interesting if that was the reason he was there that he to mess with the hyperdrive to make sure that they landed on the next available planet, which would be Tatooine. Um, it's all a goal to make sure that. I mean, how how else would you you bring down the Jedi unless you would play into their superstition with the chosen one and give them a a, a, a guy who or kid who exhibits all of the. Uh, all of the necessary things to fulfill the prop prophecy. So it's 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 just interesting like that those potentials are definitely there. So we fast forward to the end of Phantom Menace, in which case, for some reason, even though he's been proven to be completely incompetent, Boss Nass appoints Jar Jar to be Bombad General of the entire operation, which case going, um, the guy that arrested Jar Jar as soon as they came into the Gungan City. Is mm -hmm. he not qualified enough to be the general of the force? Or more than likely, Boss Nash just wanted to see Jar Jar die a la David putting <laughs> Solomon's, uh, putting Bathsheba's husband in the front lines just going, ha ha, yep. we finally killed him. Except it backfired <laughs> and that Jar Jar ended up being a war hero with probably the highest body count in the entire fight because he took out Battle droids, he took out uh, droidicas, which are like the hardest things to kill because they're force field unless they're outside. Apparently, they don't have force field when they're outside. Which is, yeah, they, they've never fully explained the force fields for droidicars. No. <laughs> uh, but like that battle scene specifically does like that's where a lot of people get. <clears throat> that's where a lot of people get their like, you know, the, the, he's a drunken wushu guy. Like this makes the most sense. And. <sighs> To an extent, I can see where they're coming from. Yes, explain the martial arts world, Josh. Just because a a smaller triangle peg fits in a larger square hole does not mean that that's the hole it goes into. Um, like it's like that. The, there's that vine where it's like, oh, we got a square. Where, where, what is this? Uh, we got this piece. What does this go? Oh, it goes in the square. And like it puts it continuously puts the wrong pieces in the wrong holes. Um, but anyway, the, uh, to me, so okay, drunken wushu is all about, and I'm you know, obviously, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but um, it's basically using your own, your own, and your opponent's momentum against them. Um, which is, I mean, so you you stupor a lot using your own body's momentum to throw yourself into certain positions and certain, you know, kicks and punches come have more power because of some of the movements you're doing. Um, that being said, I can't believe I th there's some like I'm seeing that scene in my head and I'm just like, no, no, no. I understand like this. He's super lucky. Uh, but I don't think that's what that, that that's what's going on because He's literally avoiding you, the fight. Yeah, very clearly avoiding that avoiding the fight. Um, and he, there's a couple times where he like notices that there's something behind him without him really ha having that ability to kind of or that wherewithal to know that 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 there's something behind him or something coming for him. There's a couple times that he's almost seemingly like 
on purpose like dodges lasers and stuff which i i think as an audience member we're like we're just like no there's no way (laughs) there's no way that someone one person could be this lucky uh you know this really him you know happening by happenstance getting free out of this battle without a scratch on him uh really breaks the reality of this uh fiction sci-fi children's wizard (laughs) sci-fi story (laughs) exactly uh, it just is not enough for me to be like, oh, yes, drunken wushu. I know that anywhere. <laughs> but see, here's where I think it's an interesting correlation of, sure, he's a super lucky fighter. Maybe if you really, really want to chalk that up to maybe he has some force powers. But I think the battle of Naboo, where he's leading the forces, can kind of be the first major character shift for him. Because after this battle... At the end, when there's that big glowing orb that Boss Nass raises above his head. Oh, that's good music. I'm going to... My brain just, like, disappeared like a scrubs... Like a little scrubs bit when he, like, zones out. But I got the impression that Jar Jar kind of acts as the liaison between the Naboo and the Gungans after that point of, like, that orb that, like like shock one of like all those little museums that you touch it and your hair gets all static. That's exactly what that ball makes me think of every time. Oh, and we're also that never told what that head. ball is. Huh? <laughs> we're never told what that ball is. Like, it also what, kind of looks like, like the bombs that they would actually have on the battlefield. Yeah. But <laughs> that's what boss. That's is doing. Someone make that a gif of boss. That's <laughs> this blows up. The, this blows up feed. But basically from this point on jar jar is the, liaison he's the middleman between the gungans and the naboo which leads us right into attack of the clones in which case he's now a political figure apparently uh he Mm -hmm. rose very quickly in the ranks in those 10 years granted it it has been 10 years so i imagine his his trajectory is liaison between the gungans and the naboo like he's a gungan representative for the for the queen which again I still have issues with you're a queen and then you became a senator. It's a weird step down. Just like, okay, whatever. And then just retires because kids, um, but Jar Jar basically breaking my heart. No, (laughs) no, we're not there yet. No, (laughs) but Jar Jar has now risen through the ranks. Hmm. Interesting. Like someone else that's risen through the ranks and, warped the system similar to uh something else what i'm saying is emperor palpatine only exists because of jar jar and that's not even so much a uh theory that's just fact like you could say palpatine manipulated jar jar and kind of guilted him into the nomination but jar jar openly says i think we should have emergency powers to the supreme chancellor and then wait is that part is that part two or part three that he says that because then padme has honestly be two. the line that deserves to be in a much better movie of so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause and i'm just going that line <laughs> Whoa! has aged way too well and i don't like it like that line feels like it belongs in v for vendetta actually yeah, uh, but basically, which uh, also is a movie starring Natalie Portman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but Jar Jar is I, I, the but reason like, Emperor's the Emperor. 
Yeah, he really is, though. And to the point, like people have pointed out, like even though he has no affiliation with him, at least that we're aware of, at the at, at the funeral scene for Qui Gon, he's seen standing next to Palpatine for the entire scene. Which, again, to be fair, uh, somebody else has also pointed out that they're both from Naboo, so they would uh, if assuming that uh jar jar is a sith like and you know palpatine is who we know him to be uh then we really wouldn't be that far off it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to think that they have already met um and that is continued to be a thing to be kind of something that we notice in that like even through most of uh, the Clone Wars in that in that movie, Jar Jar's almost always right next to, if not a couple pe- people behind Palpatine. They like he's he was you know Palpatine's boss, and he's mani- he's the real manipulator. Blah blah blah. I think that's hoping for too much, but oh, no, like no. I wouldn't be I I, I wouldn't off. be surprised if they're at the very least working together, uh, because like you said, yeah, Palpatine is not does not become the Emperor without Jar Jar, and um. I know we don't hear the whole speech, but uh, Jar just Jar Jar just by itself telling the entire Senate give emergency powers to, to the, the Supreme, Supreme Chancellor. Chan- that doesn't do it for me. Like you've got to give me some reasons here, and they to be and if he's like with Palpatine's help doing a whole you know Jedi mind trick on the entire you know populace, then sure. <laughs> So here's where I don't think it's too far off, because as you pointed out, we always see Jar Jar next to Emperor Palpatine. Emperor Palpatine is like the John Kramer from Saw of the Star Wars universe in that every time you think, this is my last apprentice, this is my last apprentice, he was secretly training someone else on the side. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. At the end of Phantom Menace. Ah, young Skywalker. We will be watching your career with club with great interest. We're going, yeah, I'm sure you are, creepy old man. Uh, but <laughs> this is around the same time that he just had Darth Maul, and supposedly he's about to start training Darth Tyrannus, aka Count Dooku. But the way those timelines work, there might be some crossover there of like, right at the tail end of Maul, he'd be like, okay, Maul served his purpose. I'm gonna start working on this new guy beforehand. Maybe in the background, he's got some other plates boiling. You've got Jar Jar in the background in case this Dooku guy doesn't work out. Or if this Jar Jar guy doesn't work out, he can get me to a certain point. And then this Anakin guy could take me to the next point because he's even stronger in the Force, but he's undisciplined, whereas Jar Jar may not even realize his untapped potential. I'm saying Palpatine didn't just stick with the rule of two. Like, Sith are supposed, Jedi and Sith are supposed to. He had multiple apprentices. So who's to say that Jar Jar wasn't one of those apprentices? And that's exactly why he's by Palpatine's side, no matter what. I mean, so (laughs) I like to think, uh, especially the more we think about this, that the rule of two is just something that the Jedi said that they have to do. They're they're more like guidelines. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And they sit there like, okay, but like, if you don't know we exist, then uh, can you really govern us? So, <laughs> watch this. I'm gonna somehow manage to bring in Robin Hood men in tights into this conversation because I love of it. course I, love I it. do. Imagine <laughs> if there is actually no relationship between Palpatine and Jar Jar, except Jar Jar likes Palpatine and Palpatine does not care at all. It's like good. Um, 
Hey, Abbott. Good morrow. Good morning, Abbott. Good morrow. Hey, Abbott! That's how I picture the relationship between Jar Jar and Palpatine. A Palpatine could just be like, ah, something, something, something dark side. What's up? What's up, Master Palpatine? Oh, God. You survived the Battle of Naboo? Of course. You said me to die. Misa can't die. You said die. I just love the idea that they both know that they're dark force users, and, and they're like, and and like Palpatine's like, yeah, he's like, this is the this is the annoying guy from college. He lived a couple rooms door, you know, a couple rooms down. We, I know him, but he just doesn't. I just don't like him, so I don't acknowledge his presence. And and in and in Jar Jar's mind, he's like, this is the coolest guy. He said hello to me one time, and now I'm his best friend. He like, shook my hand. I'm never washing it again again <laughs> but yeah there's definitely like there's no way that uh like i mean i know i think given everything that happens in phantom menace going into into um attack of the clones because there's that that theory that george this was the plan all along and george just chickened out which honestly probably wouldn't be surprising uh but to be fair, like the this was like the first nerd backlash I think that anybody really had to deal with. So I can kind of understand if it's not something that you're used to. Yeah, absolutely. But like at the same t- time, uh, as weak, quote unquote, weak minded as as Jar Jar can come off in um, the Phantom Menace, I don't feel like he's so weak minded that. Like one guy would come up to him. I mean, it is like Emperor Palpatine, but to just be like, "Hey, man, you're gonna give a speech, and then you know everybody's gonna make me emperor." Um, even if that's the truth, Jar Jar still has to convince everybody. That's not like he can't. I, I, there's just not like a world there where, in my mind, where even if pa- all Palpatine did was mind trick Jar Jar, he still has to be convincing enough and, or Palpatine still has to mind trick everybody. In which case, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of my tricking Jar Jar? <laughs> yeah. Yes. He's still a tool, but the tool has to be used properly and do its function. Yeah. Jar Jar does his yeah. function at the end of the day. I got one more big, potential note for this you got anything else no i mean there's like there's a lot of different little things but yeah not not really no it's funny that you brought it up of supposedly my last point according Mm. to the man himself george lucas that was the plan all along that jar jar well george lucas never once said that jar jar was a sith lord what he said in the now infamous red letter media review of the Phantom Menace, which is where we're all getting this clip from, because <laughs> the protagonist, honestly, God, the, that special is so good. It's one of my favorites. It's super good. Um, George Lucas is seen on record in the mapping out of the movie stage saying Jar Jar is the key to all of this. If we need Jar Jar to work, we need to make this work with Jar Jar. What I interpreted that to mean is. He's a lot funnier of a character than we've seen so far, which is, you know, George's words exactly. I think he was looking to have a child-friendly version of a character, like this generation's version of C-3PO. And I know some people be like, but why would he do something so childish? 
oh, excuse me, last Star Wars movie having giant fuzzy bears called Ewoks. I'm sorry, these movies were always intended for children. He forces us to see those bears like be set on fire and all this other and stuff. And the so saddest like... death in movie history with the yes! one Ewok that oh. survives and the one that doesn't and realizes Iron Giant style what death is and he's just like poking his friend. You're just going, oh, oh gosh. But Star Wars has always been intended for children. I don't get why people are so confused by the fact that Jar Jar was intended for kids. But, to people's credit, they seem to maintain that George's original vision for Jar Jar was, yes, he comes across like a bumbling idiot like Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, and then will be revealed mm -hmm. to be a much more powerful being down the line that's in charge of everything, but changed his mind after um, Phantom Menace's backlash. Here's why I never believe that. Because George has always had really weird ideas for Star Wars that were eventually mm -hmm. reined in by other people. Like, uh, I think the original name for the Jedi were like the Windus or something like mm -hmm. that. And it was like the Battle of the Wills or something like that. Like, oh, one thing that people always want to pretend is a big prequel revelation midi-chlorians i hate to break it to you guys but midi-chlorians were always a part of george's plan whether you like it or not that was originally in the draft for the original a new hope that dates back to the original trilogy so i think with prequel movies george had unlimited access to whatever no one was going to tell him no because he made the original trilogy so whatever weird ideas he had had no filter so he could just go through. And I think in George's mind, I think he finds Jar Jar funny and didn't see any issues with the character. He thought, yeah, kids are going to love him. Even as a kid, Jar Jar was kind of whatever. Then again, I feel like, and this is a very specific memory, I just grew up seeing Jar Jar's face on more merchandise and Taco Bell mm -hmm. and, uh, Pizza Hut stuff than anything else. But I get people's rationale of... George said from the get-go, we need to make Jar Jar work. Would it have been something more nefarious or something story-related? Not likely. But it's at least an option to consider. I think he means Jar Jar is supposed to be the comedic relief of the movie. Yes. But it's, a, it's an interesting thought nonetheless. Yeah, well, and there's, uh, because there was that tweet from, the, ah, jeez, the guy that, the guy that uh, played Jar Jar. Oh, Ahmed um, Best? Yes, there's that tweet. He's 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 seen all of the theories, um, and the response he gave was like, basically, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but uh, you know, I will say this: it is good to to know that some people uh, I caught on to the intention, and like that's it. That's all he said, and it was like, okay, so maybe it's either a troll job by him just going oh yeah Jar Jar was absolutely totally intended to be yeah a, yeah yeah, yeah. A, a big big middle finger to the fans that that, yeah, that, that you know him. burned him that or he's acknowledging the fans that are going yeah he was just meant to be comedic relief i didn't find him funny but he's there to be comedic relief or he's telling the truth tinfoil hat theory i'm just like yeah you're right Jar Jar was intended to be a sith lord and y'all sithed on that idea <laughs> boo uh, just rearrange some letters man yeah I, I i think there's a lot of like there's definitely some merit to the theory um i think before this i would have told you that you're 
stupid and crazy and that there's no possible way. You still are stupid and crazy, Ben. <laughs> but he's Curse also you, fine. Uh, <laughs> but like, is this theory still a stretch? Yeah, I think he's got to stretch some and fudge some details and not look at and look at stuff that's not in context to make it make sense. But I do think it's interesting. And honestly, I I think because when you and I started this, I was like, okay, cool. And then he would look like this, and then his lightsabers could look like this. It'd be something we hadn't seen before. Blah blah blah. And I like got kind of excited about it because I was like, I mean. There's potential for this to be really stinking cool. And because uh, you know, like, this isn't and, creepy at all. No, not at all. Uh, That's a but there's definitely you like die. the feeling, and I, I can totally see this, that a lot of people felt that Dooku was, you know, rushed and kind of flat. And he didn't really. I mean, it's not like we knew a lot about Maul either, but yeah, okay. Um, so I. It's also not like we of, knew a lot about Vader before at the end of a new hope true so it's like it, it's definitely one of those like we we just want we want we we need a rat like you said we need we need some sort of rationale to not hate this character even though he's not really made for us but that blah 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 fans always <laughs> have this habit of because i didn't like how it was done i think there's an elaborate more elaborate theory that explains this thing or come up yes. with fan theories as to why it is the way it is or how to fix it I think fan theories are fun. Even something as dumb as this, it's fun to think about and speculate about. I don't think it's worth putting any weight into it. But at the same time, we are absolutely also in that camp of putting out wild theories. I still ride or die with Mole Man being the villain in Fantastic Four. We're all prone to fan theories and speculation and our own interpretations for how stuff goes. So I think this is more just... Star Wars fans at the time going, y'all theorizing about Snoke? We'll theorize about Darth Jar Jar. And then just the meme culture of that just really got the ball rolling. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I just, it's so weird that this is the thing that took off. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. hey, whatever. If you guys like Darth Jar Jar, that's funny. I think that's very entertaining. But what do you guys think? Is Jar Jar a Sith Lord? If so, is there any points that we may have missed, like the hand-waving thing, if you wanted us to elaborate more on that? Uh, whatever else, if you think we're totally nuts, that Jar Jar absolutely is not, he's just an idiot that was written to be funny, whatever your thoughts on Darth Jar Jar, or whatever you think Jar Jar's Sith name would be, let us know that down in the comments, what I like hearing from you guys. And if you haven't already, subscribe to whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. Help us get to a thousand subscribers. Help us start that slow journey to that. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.